we have this will to live. We have this will to power. What causes that? We give meaning to our lives. We create meaning. There's that sense that, yes, I'm meaningless and purposeless. And like, who's going to create that for me? Me. I have to. I'm responsible for my existence. I'm responsible for my feelings. I'm responsible for what I do with my life. everybody, welcome back to the Mind Muscle Connection. I'm Joe Kumzeski with Tyler Weeb, and we are going to hit a topic that we, we circle around quite a bit, but it is something like, you are nothing. You don't matter. You are this minuscule, tiny little blob of carbon on the speck of dust in the universe. You're going to live and die in a generation. Nobody's going to remember who you are. Your life is just so utterly meaningless that some people would say, why even bother going on with life? And and I want to, Tyler, set this up because I'm going to come at this topic hard because I I think so many people misunderstand it so greatly. What I just described is nihilism or what was the bedrock question of existentialism. And some people stop the story there. For example, one of the most current famous people who rails against that is your countryman, Jordan Peterson. And and he just shrieks and shrieks and shrieks about the horrible neoliberal left. Ah, they're, they're all nihilists. And, nah. and what he fails to complete is the thought that, yes, Kant, Kierkegaard, Schopenhauer, later Camus, all of those guys said if we are going to stop childishly believing in this sugar daddy in the sky concept of a God who with these 5,000 year old, um, you know, nomadic illiterate tropes is controlling our lives and gives us all of our meaning. We're just little puppets on a string. Then we've got to have an answer. And Nietzsche famously said, God is dead and we have killed him. Now, what are we going to do? That famous question, if you're going to take away the opiate from the people, you damn well better be ready to replace it with something. And so here's here's the finish to that unfinished statement. Jordan Peterson debating Sam Harris, I believe in Vancouver, actually. Maybe this one was in Ireland. Because at that time, Jordan was very, very cryptic about what he believed. And Sam Harris said, like, do you believe in God or not? This, you know, true God of the Bible concept. And Peterson said, it would take me 40 hours to answer that question. And and Sam Harris said, no, it would take one word, yes or no. And so Sam Harris finally said, okay, so I get it. You don't believe in this God, but you think people are so goddamn stupid that if they don't believe in this God, they won't know how to act and they won't ha- they won't follow rules. There'll be just rape, murder, pillaging. And Peter says, said, yeah, yeah, exactly. And what bloody hell is wrong with that? That was more Sean Connery, I think, than, <laughs> than Peterson. But, um, <laughs> but again, they end it there. The existentialist said, if that's true, we obviously still have this will to live 
philosophers have said. We have this will to power, Nietzsche said. What causes that? And the answer is we give meaning to our lives. We create meaning. <clears throat> so there's that sense that, yes, I'm meaningless and purposeless. And like, who's going to create that for me? Me. I have to. I'm responsible for my existence. I'm responsible for my feelings. I'm responsible for what I do with my life. And that is, I think that is the biggest fissure between those two sides is that nobody ever completes that sentence because to, to your point, uh, Tyler, in, in wanting to discuss this, like I am nothing. Do I matter? Should I matter? What, where, where is my ego in all of this? It, it's, it's, it's up to us to decide. So with, with my little blathering introduction there, I'm, I'm very interested to see why you thought this topic could be hit on deeper than we have so far. Yeah. I think we're going to have, I think, pretty similar um, viewpoints and, and things that we're going to be talking about. This kind of like popped into my mind a bit more last week. Um, you know, the last couple weeks, there's been not, no one super close to me, but, you know, relatively close within my world, you know, dying. Um, you know, one, you know, being someone who had lived a full life, um, you know, to old age, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and then the other one was a 21 year old uh, and, and died of uh, a very rare cancer. You know, for years they did um, experimental treatments. There was never really a chance, but, you know, by the sounds of it, you know, very much extended his life and they really tried, but he, he passed away last Wednesday and, you know, he's got a dad and a mom, a brother and a sister, you know, a, a full family that he's leaving behind only at 21. And, so, you know, death has been on my mind quite a bit. And I think, you know, going through, you know, that YouTube series, we've, we've you know, you turned on to me, um, the, what, the awakening from the meaningless crisis. crisis. Yeah. And, you know, just, it, it got me, you know, thinking more and just how, you know, people talk about fairness and it's not fair that this 21 year old died, you know, and it's not fair that, you know, his parents have to bury their child. And yes, it is sad, but it, it got me to thinking that life owes you nothing. You are nothing because life doesn't care what age you are. It doesn't care what you believe, you know, death is final and it will come in a moment's notice. You have no idea. There is, you know, nothing saying that Quinn, should, you know, my daughter is going to make it till five. There's nothing promising that. And I think, we like to self-delude ourselves that we're special and it's never going to happen to us. And, you know, I'm going to have this amazing life and this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And it's like, we, we self-delude ourselves so much, you know, with that, it's like you, you lose out on creating that meaning almost because there is, you know, it, it can be cliche, but there is nothing promised. And so I think it's, you know, really taking that view in mind and, and finding that meaning in every single little moment, because you have just no idea, you know, when that is going to end and when that last moment is going to be with, you know, whomever you love. And so that's kind of where, you know, I was really coming from in a very, you know, humbling sense of, yeah, I am nothing. There is nothing that, you know, promises I'm going to make it another three years in my life. Like I could get a diagnosis next week terminal cancer, be dead within six months. 
So it, that's kind of where I was really coming from and, and how we mean nothing but turning it into, like you were saying, right? Creating that meaning and having that 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 power to be able to do that um, and, and eliminating that self-delusion of, you know, it's never going to happen to me because it could have like it just it could happen at any point right like whether you're young old take care of yourself you don't take care of yourself yeah it's that's the direction i was going to go with it yeah there is nothing to me more liberating than realizing i am nothing and, and let me back up a little bit in my statements because i was kind of playing two different characters two different sides mm -hmm. But I want people to understand that I'm okay with anybody believing anything. What whatever belief system worldview that that gets you to the next step in your life, perfectly fine. But I will say there are dangers to all of them. Again, that opponent processing. There's always a dynamic tension between extremes. And for me, for example, in my younger life, when I believed in the classic views of God, an omnipotent person who literally had the keys of heaven or hell and was going to send me to one or the other, I was a total asshole because I felt like I had the right answer and therefore I had all the security in the world and I was, quote, a chosen one and I didn't have to be responsible for my own meaning or behavior or anything. And so once I gave that up, and again, it's the most humbling, liberating thing. At the same time, it can be terrifying if you don't work through those thoughts. And, you know, I made a post the other day that I've lived something like 19,360 days. And if I live out a normal lifespan, I'm under 10,000. Like those days are coming. That scared me a little bit, seeing it in that number sense. I was like, yeah. whoa, like that's, that's, you know, that's that how many scary. days you have left. Yeah, but but here's something that that I've always thought. Like when my father passed away, and it was very meaningful to me. It was, um, it, it was, it, it was the the hardest death next to my first daughter dying in my hands. So like you said, your daughter Quinn, you have no guarantees. Yeah, my daughter did not make it to my first birthday. But when my father passed away, somebody who was my hero and symbol of strength and stability, and somebody who would always be there for me. Like that was a shattering experience. And, and I heard this may sound kind of trite, but I heard Anderson Cooper, the CNN anchor, talking about the fact that he lost his dad at a really early age, lost his brother at an early age. Then a year or two ago, he lost his mother. And he said, I'm the only one like I'm, I'm it now. Like I am the last remaining member of my family. And with his two little sons, he said, I had to process it 55, 56, 57 years old, however old he is. Um, like I'm the guardian of every family memory. I'm the guardian of every, everybody else is gone and their lives are lived like a book closed. It's over. And I'm the final link. Whatever is left to be remembered of my family is up to me. And I thought, man, what a profound way to look at that. Like, I'm the link to the next future, his two children. And if you want purpose and meaningfulness in your life, look for those kinds of things, the relationships, the legacies, what you do with your life on a daily basis. Um, as I said, it's, it, it's so liberating to me because even though it puts that responsibility back to me, 
I get to decide what my life will mean today and forever. It's kind of it's kind of funny that you mentioned the Anderson Cooper uh, example and how you know it's you know that's the legacy, right? That's the last little bit. Like I had that similar thought like on that Friday night, and it was more so you know in, in terms of of Quinn. And it's like I should be documenting my life you know, for her at some point down the road, you know, my thoughts, my, my feelings, my, my, my ups and my downs and, you know, creating, you know, this legacy that, you know, it can be, you know, passed down can, you know, once I'm gone, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80 years from now, you know, she's going to hopefully still be able to look back on that. And, you know, in an essence still have me, you know, in her life, you know, just with how I lived my life, how I was the example and and what I struggled with and what my understanding of this life was and is, you know, as I go along, um, <laughs> climbing up out of the, uh, to the sun, right, of uh, what was um, Aristotle's myth example, right, and figuring things out and understanding, you know, where my place is, you know, in this life and in this world and not just being a, you know, a passive observer, but being an active participant in that. So yeah, that, you know, that was kind of just my same thought process of, yeah, wow. Like that importance and that responsibility is, is just paramount to, you know, I think just like I say, you know, being that active participant, you know, in the world and in this life. Well, a couple things. First of all, as Anderson Cooper was telling the story, you know, he literally started weeping, you know, with just that responsibility. And if you want to do something to document for your daughter and maybe future children, when my first child was born, I started a journal and I have four journals for my four children. And I mean, going back to, you know, 1994, you know, you know, it's your first birthday, it's your second birthday, this happened today, this is a, like, I'm literally writing them letters. And at some point, you know, they're going to read these when I'm gone. And, and these were letters from their father to them, not just writing about me, writing about my love for them and the memories I, I shared and have about them. And I'm telling you, like so many times when I have sat down to write in those journals, like I'm literally crying as I'm writing them because, you know, I know someday I won't be there and they will be. And this is what they'll have left. Yeah. So yeah. There's, there's, there's an idea for you. That's exactly where I, I was going to try and go with that. And, you know, how does this apply to, you know, the sport of bodybuilding and fitness and health? And I think, you know, it's this, the pure joy of, you know, challenging that physicalness, that, that mentality of, you know, pushing through a hard prep and, you know, finding joy, like within that suffering of, Hey, you know what, like I'm alive to be able to do this. I'm alive to, you know, push my body in this way, to push my mind in this way, you know, does this bring me closer to, you know, reality? Does this, you know, fit with who I am. And so, you know, while it's such a heavy topic that is, you know, discussed more, I think like we did today between, you know, life and death and, and, and finding that meaning, but 
you almost kind of have this trickle down effect of yes, you find more joy in the big things, but you know, you have that, that joy in those small things of, you know, this might be my last workout ever. I'm going to enjoy this. Right. And not to say that it is a hundred percent perfect theory and you're always going to enjoy it. And it's always going to be fun just because you think like this. But I think what I'm saying is, is, it can start to change that perspective on how you start to view things. And I think the more that we are shifting that perspective, right, we're, we're getting those neural pathways, just I think the more natural joy you are going to find out of those things, even on those you know times you don't feel like it, you know, you're still going to at least be able to extract something out of it. Well, I, you know, the, the post that I wrote down the number of days I have left, that was all about movement. And the picture was me climbing, you know, rock climbing and how that's just such a value of mine is I love movement. And if you don't take care of yourself, if you're not engaged in some kind of physical pursuit, sport, something that challenges yourself, I, I really, first of all, you know, not being a fan of the concept of dualism, like my thoughts, my brain, my ability to even have any cognition comes because I have a healthy brain. Can't have a healthy brain without a healthy body. And I was just, I was just talking to a client of mine and I said, you know, I, I look at people like Stephen Breyer, the guy who just retired from the Supreme court, he's 84 years old and he is as sharp as he was when he was 30. And he looks so spry and healthy. Anthony Fauci is 80 and the guy won't retire. And, and again, like he, he's a runner, he likes to move. And, and you think, you know, I told this friend of mine, when I turn 60, you know, that's the next big marker for me. I said, I, I will be less than 150 pounds. And I'm, you know, and he's like, wow, really? And I'm like, well, first of all, that's not that far away. I'm, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm five, seven. That's, I won't have to lose yeah. 20 pounds. Yeah. But I, I said, the reason I say that is because for that stage of my life, physically, physiologically, it's better for efficiency and lightness and, and so forth. And so, you know, I'm already thinking that far ahead, just as I always have in my life, what kind of strength do I need? What kind of functionality, what kind of body composition is healthier and why, why do I want to do that? And so, yes, for all of our people engaged in, in health and fitness and, and sport of any kind, man, it's, it's more than just that, you know, it's more than just that single pursuit of some metric of performance it is your entire life. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and for me, you know, I grew up playing sports. Like I played sports year round. I moved year round, basically from age two to about 18. I was almost playing sports year round and always moving. And man, just the benefits from that. And I, you know, I just convincing people to go find joy in other physical areas than, than just the gym, I believe is just so important because some people just may not like being in the gym. And so being able to still find, you know, that activity and that enjoyment out of, you know, your, your, your body and what it is capable of doing is massive. Like I, you know, I've always kind of said, like, what's the point of going to the gym and lifting all these weights if I can't use my body and I don't, you know, go do manual labor or help a friend move or things like that. Like, that's kind of what it's here for. I don't want to just lift weights. I want to use that, you know, to, uh, I hate this term, but functional strength, right? Like I want to be able to use what I have and to, to be able to find joy in that and challenge myself in different physical activities and to see, you know, what I'm capable of doing, because 
something like that just brings so much joy, you know, to myself. I don't want to be just a bodybuilder. I don't want to be just a power lifter. You know, I want to be, you know, again, to a general term, you know, that athlete of just being able to move, to be healthy. Um, and, you know, when I'm 40, 50, yeah, there's going to be aches and pains, but I, I still want to act like I'm 20. <laughs> as much as as much as that may be pie in the sky. <laughs> plenty of aches and pains, I assure you. But you'll, yeah. <laughs> you'll figure out a way. Yeah. So, so here's the ultimate answer. Think of this as that two-sided coin or that oppositional opponent processing. You are absolutely nothing. You are meaningless. Uh, even if you pass away today, like the day after your funeral, even your closest loved ones, they're going to be picking up the pieces and moving on. You mean nothing. The other side of the coin is you mean fucking everything. Like your life should be everything to you because that's the gift you give to everybody else around you. So again, to, to have that nihilistic angst, or if you're on the other side of that, to think that those people are stupid, you don't even know what you're opposing. If you think that, you know, somebody who, who feels like I'm it, then act like it, like live your best life, be the best brother, sister, friend, parent that you can be, because again, there is so much truth in the fact that you are nothing because you are everything. You are everything because you are nothing. All right, Tyler, again, great, great topic. As always, you, you picked another good one and we hope you guys get some value out of this. Let us know, let us know what topics you want to hear uh, us to delve into. And we'll see you next time in the mind muscle connection.